This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, April 29th. And today we will look at the latest from the NBA playoffs, including a fantasy postmortem slash season in review on three teams that were eliminated on Thursday night, the Raptors, the Pelicans, and the Jazz. The outlook on their top fantasy players and their rosters moving forward, plus the latest on the fantasy playoff rankings, the fantasy the playoff fantasy rankings. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. All that and more is coming up today as I'm joined by Ryan Knaus and Raphael Johnson Fellas, Raph, we were talking about this just before we came online. Three teams knocked out on Thursday night. Devastating for fans of Game 7s everywhere. Yeah, it also means that for the first time in these playoffs, we're going to have a full day off. Um, Saturday won't be any game. So, yeah, you, you want to get yourself immersed in day three of the NFL draft or Major League Baseball or okay. anything else. Or get out of the house and run some errands. Saturday's going to be a good day to do it. Okay. Okay, Raph is pumped. I can tell Raph is excited for, <laughs> for this big this big Saturday some, here. A twinkle, runs. Yeah. A twinkle yeah. in his eyes, as he said. Get some errands done. Did you see that, Ryan? I did. I did. I, I may actually take a page out of your book there and follow suit, Raph. As you said, this will be the first day off since – was there a day off before the play-in, I believe? Or... Yeah, I think that Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So. Before that, the last day off was, I think, in uh, 2019, if I recall correctly. It it sounds good remember. now, and on Saturday afternoon, I'll love it. But Saturday, come Saturday night, I'll be like, where's the basketball? I won't know what yeah, to do yeah. with myself. So, Yeah. Yeah, well, good luck. Hang in there, Ryan, because I know you're not a big NFL draft guy. You're not a, you're not a big Major League Baseball oh, guy yes. either, right? Like, this is your life, Ryan. I got to stick to stick to hoops. That's right. I'll keep digging into the numbers, guys. Don't worry. I'll put okay. some stuff okay. up on the site. Keep an eye out. All right. All right. Well, we're going to start here with some notable recent playoff performances. Mainly, we're going to start with the winning teams from Thursday. Okay. And then we will eventually get into the teams that were eliminated on Thursday. And well, we'll just see what happens. Ryan, you've got the latest on your incredibly thorough fantasy nine category playoff rankings. So we can kind of splice that in throughout but let's just start with the Sixers a look at the Sixers they knocked out the Raptors 132 to 97 in game six pretty big game for Joel Embiid and like by James Harden's standards now I think this was a big game Raph like (laughs) 22 points six rebounds 15 assists on 7 of 12 shooting I believe (laughs) Uh, two-pronged question here can we feel better about Embiid's injury and Harden's performance coming out of this game like what are your takeaways for those two I'm going to say yes on both counts. I think, in the, especially in the case of Harden, you're trying to work yourself into a new system where there's already a clear number one option. You know, unlike when he was in Houston, you know, when he was the guy. I know Brooklyn was a bit different. You're playing alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but those guys were in and out of the lineup so much that that was a little bit difficult for him, I think. And this was a different challenge, playing alongside Embiid, and you also have an emerging talent 
and Tyrese Maxey. So I think mm-hmm. finding that balance between kind of doing his thing in ISO situations and keeping the ball moving, a little bit difficult early on. I think he struck that balance quite well last night and good timing there. Uh, for Philadelphia. Yeah, there were definitely some concerns about just the way he looked. Like, he looked a little lethargic. Was there still a hamstring bothering him? Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe he had shot 50% or better just three times dating back to March 4th prior to last night. That was a 17-game stretch during which he was shooting just under 41% from the field. So it's been a brutal run for him offensively. Joel Embiid even said basically to the media, I think, like, hey, I need more from James Harden. (laughs) You know, it's great that he's being a facilitator, and it is truly for their long-term development. As you said, Tyrese Maxey getting going. Tobias Harris has been great in the the playoffs against Toronto. We should point that out. A lot of that is Harden setting guys up, but it was great to see him come out last night and look aggressive. He was driving. He was drawing the fouls that have been such a huge part of his game. Uh, he had some of those quick, you know, step back threes and had some mm-hmm. swagger. He was shouting like he was involved into it and looked and looked <laughs> quicker than we'd seen him previously in the prior couple games. So uh, I think you can feel great about what he's doing because we still haven't maybe seen that offensive explosion that we know he's capable of. And for a team with a superstar who has a torn ligament in his thumb, it's inevitably going to be very important for Harden to be at his absolute best if they hope to make it to the finals. Yeah, interestingly, he still only shot 12 times, and I think he averaged like around 13 attempts per attempts per game in the series. Mm. Most he shot it was 17 times in a couple of those games. I mean, he, so he's still it's a it's a different kind of aggression, right? I mean, like Harden yeah. is trying mm-hmm. to succeed now with efficiency. He's not a volume guy right now, which is just interesting because we're so used to that. But yeah, obviously, pretty encouraging for Philly after it looked like they were kind of on the verge of collapsing there. 15 assists, mm. three turnovers for Harden. That that's Obviously, the blueprint for him moving forward, if they can get that from him. Let's go now to the Suns, who eliminated the Pelicans. We're going to talk about the Pelicans and the Raptors, as I said, coming up. But uh, first things first, I was going to say Devin Booker returned, but we got to talk about Chris Paul here, Ryan. I hope so. I, uh, I, was, I was working late uh, doing an NFL draft show for NBC Sports Edge, and I, I looked at the box score. I knew I was following all along, but then I said, it says here that this man shot 14 for 14 in this basketball game. What 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 is going on here, Ryan? Indeed he did. I mean, we've never seen the likes of Chris Paul. He He's unbelievable. And it made me question, like, how long can this guy play? Like, can he be 50 and still just effective on the court? Because as he says all the time, and what is true, he's he manages the game so incredibly well. It's hard to even put into words just how effective he is. He was asked after the game about his 14 of 14 masterclass mid-range shooting and he was like I I don't shoot enough to even have the opportunity for a heat check I didn't even realize that I was shooting that well at at halftime I thought to myself I should take a couple more shots it's like that's not even his primary focus he's you know whatever it takes for him to get his team going and the shots he generated all 14 of them were so incredibly in the flow of the offense to his point he's not hunting this it's easy actions pick and rolls and He's getting into that mid-range area at the elbows and force putting the defense, at least the Pelicans defense, in an impossible situation of if the big steps up, now that lob is there or an easy offensive rebound. If they don't step up, now Chris Paul is taking a lightly defended 12-foot jump shot, and he's going to make them 14 times out of 14. Yeah, he was outstanding last night, but I think it also underlines the importance of Devin Booker. Uh, to get him mm-hmm. back in the lineup and take away that attention defense, a little bit of that attention because Chris looked to be getting worn down 
in a few of those games without Devin mm-hmm. Booker, where he had to run the offense for like 40, 40 plus minutes. Didn't help that Cameron Payne was in and out of foul trouble on a couple of occasions, but you know, getting Booker back in and he looked pretty good, you know, despite the time missed and the hamstring injury really wasn't mm-hmm. on a minutes restriction of any kind. So they're going to have a couple of days off here. Um, I think they start on Monday in their second round series, if I'm not mistaken. So got a couple of days to need to sharpen up. And I think that's going to be the big key because getting him back, they get past New Orleans without Devin Booker, but I don't know how far they can play the into the playoffs without him. So it was good to see him out on the court as well. Yeah, 13 points on 5 for 12 shooting in 32 minutes for Booker. And what Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden combined to go 24 of 26, I think, in this game. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, And by the way, Ryan, the aforementioned fantasy playoff rankings of yours, did you put these on the site? Are you going to put these on the site, by the way? I've been talking to you about this. Are these up on the site? They'll be up there. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's 9CAT rankings if you're listening. 9CAT, 8CAT, and DFS rankings for all players who have averaged at least 10 minutes in the postseason. Yeah. Ryan has somehow ranked 900 players, even though there aren't 900 <laughs> players in the playoffs. Chris Paul is third in, uh, up to third in the in the nine category rankings. 22.3 points, 4.3 rebounds, 11.3 assists, 1.8 steals. But uh, these are things we know he's capable yeah. of. Okay, um, any other thoughts on Booker? I mean, yeah, I think Raph kind of closed the book on it there, Ryan. No pun intended. I'm sorry, that was not on purpose. Uh, I mean. Yeah, they got him back. It's sort of like Phoenix survived that turbulence. It looked like it was a much worse hamstring injury, and I think they got him back quicker than all of us expected, right? Absolutely. There was a couple good hamstring injury news because Donovan Mitchell had his own mild, I think, left hamstring injury that he was going to try to play through uh, and did. We'll talk more about that. And Booker, as you said, hammies are so touchy, those soft tissue injuries, that mm-hmm. even when a guy comes back for fantasy, uh, you know, I rarely play a guy their first came back from hamstring and DFS because there's right. a pretty high chance that just a minor tweak is all it takes someone you know go to jump for a rebound and that's that so to see him just get through it yeah it wasn't the most efficient game etc but as you said a couple days off here we've seen him back in the flow he looked good made it through unscathed so fantastic news for for phoenix the Mavs eliminated the Jazz. Luka Doncic has won a playoff series for the first time. He and Jalen Brunson both put up 24 points. But I, I wanted to focus our attention just for a moment, Raf, on Dorian Finney-Smith. He's been really impressive. 18 yeah. points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists on Thursdays, including four three-pointers. Uh, what are your thoughts on this guy's performance in the playoffs and just him, I guess, as a you know fantasy option moving forward? How intrigued are you? I'm intrigued. I wouldn't put him in the class of, say, a, a, a Mikhail Bridges, but maybe uh-huh. a little bit behind him when we talk about season-long fantasy value. But I think he's a player that's undervalued in terms of his true value to the Mavericks rotation. Um, obviously, he got mm-hmm. that contract extension during the season, which was much deserved because he can do so much for them on both ends of the floor. He's not going to have the ball in his hands a ton, but he can play off of those ball handlers. We talk about Luka, Jalen Brunson. And defensively, he didn't put up any numbers in those areas last night, but he can usually get you a steal in the block per game. So in the four three-pointers last night was a nice bonus. So 
I think he's just carrying over what he did throughout the regular season, maybe at a slightly higher clip in terms of the offensive production. He, he is at a slightly higher clip. I was going to follow up and say that he's literally improved. Now, a big part of this is the fact that he's averaging 43.3 minutes per game. Wow. That's third highest <laughs> in the playoffs behind only Pascal Siakam and what KD was doing. But DFS has improved literally every fantasy number possible in the postseason. He's got higher points, threes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, better field goal percentage, better free throw percentage, and he lowered his turnovers. So a clean sweep. Um you know, the fact that he's better in DFS or better in nine cat rather than DFS is kind of established fact to that point. He's currently 24th in nine cat in the postseason, but he's 42nd in DFS uh, at slightly under 30 DFS points per game, which as most people who play knows, that's not that great. So, you know, his salary would have to be, but depends on the salary, his salary would have to be pretty pretty modest um but man his his defensive versatility you said is huge they had him playing some center minutes at a certain point and just his ability to knock down three pointers dallas had them spread out last night mm-hmm. they just it, it was like shooting practice at certain times because brunson Doncic get that penetration just kick it out and dfs was one of the guys hitting them so yeah. super impressive and i think you know as you said an underappreciated key to what dallas is able to do on both ends he is sneaky old, I would say. He's five days from turning 29. He's not, I mean, just he's not a guy who, you know, you would think of as being almost 30 just because he's just emerging on our radar as like a guy we can trust in fantasy. And to that end, he did improve. Like his points went up this year. Um, his, well, his steals and threes went up a little bit. He ended at 11 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 1.1 steals, 2.2 threes. I don't know, Raph, that the ceiling is much higher for this guy moving forward, right? I mean, doesn't it feel kind of like we're we're scraping at that ceiling given his age and just track record? Yeah, that's what I would say. Like, that's why I say a great hip lower than Sam Mikhail Bridges. As we saw Mikhail go off, I think it was game five. I think he's got more room to grow offensively. He's just in a system where you've got Chris Paul and Devin Booker handling a lot of the shots, and DeAndre Ayton's going to get his as well, so... Yeah, I think in terms of Finney Smith, he's kind of at what his ceiling is going to be. But that can be good enough if you're talking about the back end of a fantasy roster, to be honest with you. So Dallas – oh, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. You're going to weigh in. No, not necessarily. I just – he's a guy who I'm torn about because, as Raph said, he seems like a fine nine-cap pickup in rounds 10, 11, 12. But those are usually the range where I want to take a swing on someone with a ceiling, Mm -hmm. not just a guy like DFS who has, like, a decent floor. Uh, And as you guys were were talking about, his usage tends to hang in the low teens. So not a guy with, with a very high ceiling at all. So not sure that he'll be on any of my teams next year. So Dallas will now face the Suns, correct? Yes. Uh, what are your what are your initial thoughts on that one, Raph? Do you think this Mavs team can uh, can give the number one seed some trouble? Oh, definitely. I mean, you've got one of the best playmakers in the game in Luka Doncic, and that's a good place to start right there. And their positional versatility in terms of the size, like a lot of their guys will be able to take on multiple assignments regardless of position, like even a Dwight Powell can play away from the basket some, even though they don't use him in that fashion, uh, he's capable of moving around on the perimeter on occasion. So I think you look at that, you look at the fact you've got Brunson, you got Spencer Dinwiddie, who can handle the basketball and make plays off the bounce. This is going to be an interesting series, I think. I, think, I don't think we're going to get anywhere 
at least six games out of the series, maybe even seven. <laughs> I just think that it's going to be a long series. I, I'll take an opposing view here. I think <laughs> I think this will be a five-game series with, with the Suns kind of walking away. Uh, only because, I mean, Phoenix proved all season they're a fantastic team. They're yeah. locked in. Their system is established. Their personnel knows <laughs> their roles. They come to play. And as long as Devin Booker is healthy, we watched a – vastly inferior to the Suns jazz team take two games off the Mavs. Now Doncic was hurt. There were some, some other reasons for that, but I just think Phoenix is in a different class here. I could be wrong. I think their defense is going to make life really difficult for Doncic and it's not going to be as easy for secondary playmaker like Brunson to just weave into the paint and seemingly get whatever he wants. Everything's going to get a little harder. And I don't know that the Mavs have enough offense to, to generate that if life is tough for, for their primary points of attack with Doncic and Brunson. I think they have enough defense, though. I think Dallas, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league this past season. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think if anything, we're going to get lower scoring games than we'd probably expect given some of the offensive talents on these teams. DeAndre Dallas. Ayton's size could be huge in this too because yeah. Dallas's ability mm-hmm. to match up with him, as you said, they have versatility. They can go small. They can have you know guys who switch everything. But if Ayton is just feasting in the paint, suddenly yeah. that complicates what they what Jason Kidd would love mm-hmm. to do. So, yeah, Dallas that Dallas D definitely made life difficult on the Jazz. I don't know how much of that is the Jazz falling apart, but they scored <laughs> seventy seven and ninety six points in the last two games respectively, and and the Jazz I believe had the number one offensive rating in the league in the regular season. So something is wrong. I don't know if we're giving Dallas credit or we're blaming Utah or a little bit of both, but uh, I'm with you. We have more to come. So now we're going to get to the eliminated teams, including those jazz. First, we're going to take a very quick break. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, Premier League, on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. All right, guys, three eliminated teams to talk about. Let's start with the Toronto Raptors. This, for starters, was an incredibly deep fantasy squad. Five guys (laughs) 
in the top 70 of the nine category rankings. I went through, this is the only team, Ryan, where that was actually the case. Only team with five, five guys in the top 70. Pretty amazing. And I'm sure a lot of that tracks to playing time. I mean, not to right. disparage the, the performance of those guys, but minutes correlate to fantasy value in a very real yeah. way. And the, and the Toronto Raptors were as top heavy as it gets in terms of playing time with their starters. Um, but that's something to keep in mind. I mean, it's not likely to change next season, right? They're running back almost the entire roster to a man. The only free agents are Chris Boucher, Thad Young, and some non-rotation guys like Yuta Watanabe. So all these fully guaranteed contracts are coming back. Continuity won't be a problem. I see much the same scenario playing out next year. So I don't have really any problem targeting guys at their ADP of this season. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Raph. So as I gave him the nickname earlier this season, Young Tips did not hesitate <laughs> to play his starters a yes. lot of minutes. And as you as fate should have it, those are the guys who rank so highly in fantasy. Um, I think the Boucher question is the one I'm keeping an eye on this summer because we've seen flashes of him. He was outstanding last night. I think that 19 mm-hmm. and 8 in the first half alone. Yep. But Nurse seemed a bit fickle with him. Like he didn't give him much yeah. time to kind of play through things. He was a bit of a slow starter at times. And he would get pulled out of the game. And other times he would be allowed to kind of go and he would ultimately flourish. So I think that's going to be the guy to watch what's his market in free agency and whether or not Toronto would bring him back and have him in a similar role. But um, I think that's going to be the biggest question. Like, like Ryan noted, everyone else is under contract. Everyone else of, of consequence is under contract next season. So I think Scotty Barnes will see a big jump out of him, you know, as a second year player. Siakam looked outstanding in the playoffs. I think he's going to be really good in terms of fantasy. And I think mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet, too. He he lived up to our expectations before the season. Just hit down a stretch. He kind of wore down because of the injuries. And, and maybe his minutes come down a little bit, but mm-hmm. not to the point where it would have too much of a negative impact on him fantasy-wise. Yeah, Young Tibbs. It'll be interesting to see if Young Tibbs and Chris Boucher uh, continue this relationship beyond this year. I think most of us would probably love to see Boucher sign somewhere else. Uh, see see what things could look like there as as is Boucher like functionally is like almost like the backup everything like anytime someone's out they just they go big yeah. you know like oh, Malachi yeah. Flynn just wasn't a factor in the place like in DFS if Van Vliet's out Boucher <laughs> slides in it, you know it's just like kind of this positionless basketball thing Raph already gave us a little bit of this Ryan and I'll follow up with him in a second but Ryan is there a guy you're especially high on from this five uh, heading into next season and is there one you're especially worried about particularly high on i think i'll save the obvious one for raf uh there's a certain rookie who was very impressive this season but i'm gonna go with og Ananobi just because i feel like there might be a little bit of a post hype discount for him he was very good mm-hmm. this season but really didn't like pop i don't think to the extent that a lot of fantasy managers are clamoring or have him on their must-have lists for next season Uh, But Ananobi still doesn't turn 25 years old until July, and he set or tied a bunch of career highs this season with 17 points, five and a half boards, two and a half dimes, one and a half steals. And that was despite a dip in field goal percentage to 44%, which was a career low. He slipped in percentage from the arc and the line, too. But as I said, he's young. I feel like, you know, he was kind of learning a slightly new role alongside Scotty Barnes Mm -hmm. and... His usage wasn't particularly high. He was fourth highest on the team below Gary Trent Jr. So there are a lot of things, you know, small 
improvement in his usage, a small upticks in his percentage, and suddenly you're looking at a top 40 guy. So I'm more than happy to target OG. Yeah, to add on OG, you just stay healthy. You know, he got hurt. That kind of yeah. set him back a bit. So a healthy OG could be really good. But, yeah, I'm really high on Scotty Barnes going to next season. Not much of a three-point shooter, but he still shot 49% from the field. So that kind of mm-hmm. speaks to his ability to find shots where he's comfortable. And he gives you production across the board. So I think, you know, with a year under his belt, understanding what the Raptors want to do and understanding the NBA in general, I think he's going to be well-positioned to kind of take off next season for them. Yeah, you know, I it's funny. I think back to... This past fall, Ryan, I know you and I were talking about we've all we were all were talking about Scotty Barnes and wondering what we'd get out of him at the pro level where his college numbers were just, you know, not exciting, partially because of the system he played in, et cetera. But then Nick Nurse was talking him up early. Anyways, he was just he was just so much fun. Fifteen point three points, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, one point one steals, point seven blocks. And Raph, you said not a not a great three point shooter, but he still made point eight mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. It it almost feels Ryan like his fantasy blueprint is like a higher you know Draymond Green with more points but less assists. I mean, just this is a guy. It seems like a guy who's going to be able to do everything fantasy wise, and we've already yeah. seen it. And I just think he's just scratching the surface. Like th- this is a super exciting guy heading into year two. I fully agree, which is why, I mean, I would have taken him tops. I just knew we were going to talk about him inevitably anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the length, the the physicality, the ball skills, like that is not something I expected was to see Scotty Barnes with the ball in his hands as often as we saw. Uh, the offense was much better than advertised. Most of what I go off is scouting reports and so forth. I actually do recall, however, Raph being a little more optimistic on Scotty Barnes' mm-hmm. offense before the season. Mm-hmm. So credit credit where it's due. He was like, if this guy can just make some buckets – you know, we, we got something yeah. here. Um, yeah, hugely impressive upside. And you had asked me if there's anyone I'm low on in Toronto. Not particularly, but if I had to choose one, I would say Fred Van Vliet, only because he's going to have a very high ADP, top 20. Injuries have been an increasing problem. And given his style of play, which is so physical, the dude gets banged up all the time. I mean, he even talks about it. He's like, I'm just like crashing into guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he had to manage injuries all season long. That hip injury that finally took him out, he he admitted he'd been like dealing with all season. So, I, you know, if I had to choose one guy to stay away from, I'd probably choose Van Vliet. Plus, he tanks your field goal percentage. Yeah, that's fair. But man, and Gary Trent, we haven't even talked about Gary Trent Jr., but he he was fantastic. You know, 18 points per game, 1.8 steals, 3.03s. Uh, and Ananobi, just getting back to that, I, I said uh, DFS was sneaky old. Ananobi, sneaky young, as you pointed out. He We probably think of him as older than 24. And the aforementioned Chris Boucher also falls into the sneaky old category, 29 years old. So yeah. just thought totally. I'd update you, update you guys on that. Yeah. All right, let's move now to the Pelicans. This is a team that had four guys in the top 80. One of them arrived via trade. That was CJ McCollum. One of them was a rookie. Um, I'll start with you, Raf. Uh, any any over you know overarching thoughts about the Pelicans? I do think we have to talk about Zion and how yeah. he's going to factor in. But I mean, you know, first things first. Who are you high on out of this group, and who are you maybe a little low on uh, heading into next season? My man, Herb. I'm high on Herb yeah. Jones. Man. I, yeah. I think his offense is only going to get better, but what you get from him defensively <laughs> is the major selling point here. Um, I think he's one of four rookies to finish top 109 cap, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was him, 
Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and then Cade Cunningham got in there as well. So for him with the – I wouldn't call it a limited offensive game. It's just that they don't really ask him to do too much on that end of the floor. For him to finish with that type of production from a fantasy standpoint speaks, speaks really highly of what he's done so far and also what he can do moving forward. Obviously, the Zion Williamson question is one that's going to have to be answered this offseason, but I think he's still going to start anyway just because – you need a defensive stopper in that starting five. And I think Herb's going to be safe. And mm-hmm. Zion just ultimately replaces Jackson Hayes in a starting lineup. So that's right. what I'm thinking. So, yeah, he's the one I'm high on. And in terms of low, I think Valanchunas, I still think he's going to be a good fancy option, but he may be the one that takes a back seat, especially once you get Zion Williamson in there as well, because – He'll get fewer touches. Ingram and McCollum kind of go get the ball on their own, but Valanchunas has to rely on those guys to get him the ball. So I think he may be the one that I'm a little hesitant on from a fantasy standpoint going into the next season. Yeah, the the Zion factor, definitely concerning for Valanchunas, as you said. I'm a little bit low on C.J. McCollum, too, which might be a surprise. Uh, he said he wants to retire with the Pelicans, so that's that's a fun little tidbit. He clearly enjoyed his time there, and played really well i mean his numbers kind of spiked um he was way above his head in my opinion he had career high numbers in 26 games for the pelicans Mm -hmm. pretty much across the board like offensively shot extremely well his dimes were at career high levels a lot ran through him i think the usage is going to take a hit the dimes will probably take a hit with zion back just because there's so much that will funnel through him not to say mccollum won't have a good season but he's entering his age 31 season i've never been a massive fan of his fantasy game kind of seems to stall out around top 50 top 40 so i don't know that there's a ceiling beyond that anyway at this point uh plus the injuries that you know two pretty big injuries in consecutive years it might even have been three i'm i'm losing track but i just won't be chasing him inside the top 50 put it that way so to your point about herb jones raft just he gives a little parting gift on thursday of uh, 16 points, four rebounds, four assists, four steals, and a three on only nine field goal attempts. So this is this is a guy who, you know, after averaging 1.7 steals, 0.8 blocks, all we need to see is just a little bit more scoring. You know, we, we don't we don't need a lot. You know, mm-hmm. this guy can get with those defensive stats. First of all, he doesn't even need to score more than 10 points a game. But if he, you know, if he can, let, can say, let's creep up to 12 points per game or something and just an incremental improvement in the other counting stats. I mean, yeah, he's going to be a lot of fun in fantasy. What about the old Zion variable, Raph? I feel like we got to expand on this topic just a little bit before we move to the next team. What are your expectations and and how do we even know what our expectations should be for Zion? I mean, we're, we're talking like it's a a given that he's going to be on the court for most of the season next yeah. year. Are we, are we going too far by even thinking that? I think we are, but I also think what we've seen when he's on the court is going to make a lot of people reach for him. So mm-hmm. I think his ADP is going to end up being higher than it probably should be. Yeah. Um, his field goal percentage when he's on the court is very good. Uh, he, he's a, obviously you look at his build. He's extremely difficult to stop when he's around the basket. But the build may be part of the problem here. And when you're talking about a guy of his size working his way back from a significant foot injury, that has to give you pause. Um, Whether you're the Pelicans trying to build this thing up to a championship contender or if you're a fantasy manager trying to put together your roster. So 
Hmm. Maybe Ryan's got more to say about this, but he's a confusing guy to kind of figure out here. I do have more to say. I'm changing my my pick. I'm I'm low on Zion Williamson. <laughs> just, <laughs> there you go. just I mean, CJ, I can make a case for being lower and so forth. Yeah. But man, the the injury history is just too too real. It's it's right mm-hmm. there. And you look at as you said, just the size of the man, the way he plays, and the fact that he's already had multiple setbacks on a foot injury that we didn't even know about for months yeah. when it first occurred. And then the Pelicans were kind of hush-hush and secretive, and then he was away from the team. Like, there's so much confusion and misdirection and multiple injuries and setbacks that I personally want nothing to do with it, especially given his name brand recognition Mm -hmm. and the fact that he will, as you pointed out, have a very high ADP, which what do you guys imagine it will be? Like 40, 50? I feel like people will be probably grabbing him. I wouldn't go near him there, personally. I think people are going to go even higher than that. Yeah. I think I, I would say I think so. I don't know about top twenty-five, like first two rounds, but I think like that third yeah. round is probably where he's probably going to come off a lot of boards in terms of leagues where people tend to hang on more to name brand than anything. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's what's going to impact his ADP more than anything. I feel like we could get a bracket on it if we had Steve on the pod. I could yeah. be the low guy, Steve could be the high guy, <laughs> and then we'll just kind of take a medium. Uh. I mean, for all the for everything that's said about Ben Simmons and and how long he's been out, when Zion returns, it will have been longer since he yeah. played. It'll, mm. May oh, wow. of twenty twenty one is when we light. We're coming up on a year now, and by the time next season starts, we'll be yeah. at what you know seventeen plus months since he played an NBA game. Man, it's just too much risk. Like, think about the guys you can get in the third round. There's there's some bona fide, sure thing studs in that third round. Steve and I have been reviewing. You know, mm-hmm. reviewing the rankings this year and talking about where we pick guys. I mean, you have surefire, can't miss, great fantasy options. I just don't know why you take a wild swing, especially when Zion actually does have holes in his fantasy game. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, I mean, sure, there are some major pluses, but we've talked about this mm-hmm. a lot. You know, he's not like an absolute stud mm-hmm. in defensive stats and threes. And, you know, so I just, I can't see it. We're preaching to the choir, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Raph and I have much to push back on there. Okay. No. <laughs> if Jared was here, he'd be like redlining right now, though, right? I mean, Jared is still Jared is still all in, I feel like, mm-hmm. emotionally on this thing. Yeah, you can do a, a corrective episode with Steve and Jared. <laughs> okay. We'll get we'll get Jared. both sides. All right, Jared. <laughs> and maybe no, I think Steve's out now because Steve took him really early oh, in that 30 right. team league yeah. and yeah. his team went went straight, straight down the uh the toilet pretty immediately in that league so <laughs> steve jared we'll we'll talk later okay last team to hit here the last eliminated team from thursday is the utah jazz we'll start with the big breakthrough the big fan let's start with the positives here the big fantasy breakthrough here was was really donovan mitchell i think and this is a team that only had three guys in the top 70 by the way kind of oddly Fantasy wasteland is too harsh of a word, but there, there's actually less going on here than you'd think. But let's let's focus on Mitchell for a second, Raph. The perennial top 50 guy, finally, who would always get drafted in the top 25, finally cracks the actual top 25. Is he here to stay now? I don't know. I think, <laughs> honestly, with this team, who knows who's all going to be in a Jazz uniform next season? Fair. Uh, no. Fair. It was reported by The Athletic this morning that Utah is committed to Mitchell. They didn't okay. mention Rudy Gobert in there, so that's kind of interesting to 
kind of keep in the back of our minds during the offseason here. But I think Mitchell, if that's true, and, and he he is that top option, that top unquestioned option for that franchise, then I think top 25, he would be there to stay just because of how often he's going to have the ball in his hands. You know, also, mm-hmm. Mike Conley's getting, he's not getting any younger, and he didn't look very sharp in this series, to be honest with you. So I think yeah. Mitchell yeah. is in a prime position, at least offensively, to continue to – that ascension the decent the defensive numbers i don't think those are going to be there i think that would be my biggest concern if you're thinking about can he get past top 25 we're talking about maybe top 20 or top 15 i think that's going to be the issue there but yeah i think donovan mitchell should be okay from a fantasy standpoint um yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Wait on. Yeah, well, just a, as you said on Mitchell, the the steals are going to be critical. I think he had one yeah, right. and a half steals per game this season. That was a yeah. huge boost, and that's like mm-hmm. what he needs to maintain that. Um, I, I guess. I mean, he did it over the course of a whole season. So who am I to doubt whether he can do it again? Yeah. Um, he's got pretty good pretty good wingspan and so forth uh, at his position. So that's re- repeatable, I think. But I don't yet. Yeah, He's just a guy who doesn't excite me all that much. Like his yeah, usage, exactly. his usage was thirty-two percent this year. I don't know that it's going to go much higher. Mm-hmm. He seems like a twenty-three, five and five guy, which is great, mm-hmm. but better for DFS maybe than nine cap because of the the potentially low defensive stats. His percentages can be a bit of an issue. Shot forty percent in the in the postseason this year. Yeah, he just doesn't thrill me. Like, he's not a guy I'm going to reach for. Uh, but yeah. safe enough as a top 40 guy, I just feel like you're going to have to reach for him around his ADP this year. 35th in, to your to your point, Ryan, in the playoffs, 35th in nine category, 20th in DFS points yeah. for Mitchell. The steals, you, you guys pinpointed it. That's the key number, I think, because we kind of know what we're going to get elsewhere, kind of regardless of where Mitchell is. And by the way... Um, can we get him to Atlanta? Can we can we make that happen? <laughs> he and Trey Young, he and Trey Young are a type, from what I understand. I mean, things aren't working in Utah. Hawks need a second guy. Let's just make this happen. You know, can I, I'm just going to try to manifest this into happening. But anyways, the steals factor. I mean, first two first two seasons of his career it was one point five and one point four. Then he had two consecutive seasons of one exactly. And then this season it was back up to 1.5. And that mm-hmm. along with, you know, his threes, which have gotten up over three, he was three and a half this year, that gets him into the top 25. But if you're going to tell me there's a chance he's going back to one steal per game, I'm a little bit scared because he doesn't get blocks. <laughs> but I guess we're kind of nitpicking a good, a good, not great fantasy player. I think his defensive numbers are going to depend on what happens with Gobert. Because Utah may have been a bit too reliant on having that safety net behind them. It's kind of why some of the guys got beat off the dribble so much in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, you take him away, does that make guys a bit more, I don't know if I'd say aggressive, because you have that goaltender, you can be a bit more aggressive on the perimeter, but maybe it makes them a bit more focused defensively on the perimeter, where they really didn't have much. Like Bojan Bogdanovic, bless his heart, he worked hard. <laughs> But he can't guard Luka Doncic. Like, uh-huh. no one really can, but that was a really bad matchup. And Royce O'Neal gives you absolutely nothing offensively. So fantasy-wise, you can't plug him into your lineups, you know, even right, yeah. with the defensive potential. So it's going to be an interesting offseason there, not just for, like, their franchise in general, but fantasy as well. Totally. I mean, the the Jazz got to the point they were playing Daniel House 
to yeah. try to to try to make up for what you just talked about. They had no personnel capable of uh -huh. stopping Luka Doncic or making it difficult on both ends anyway. And the Gobert thing's very interesting. I mean, Mitchell as an individual defender can be exploited. We saw Dallas go directly mm -hmm. at him time and time again and just point of attack didn't have it. So that's going to be something he's going to have to work on a lot. And I think if if Gobert isn't there in that last line of defense, that multiple-time defensive player of the year, I think that potentially hurts Mitchell Steele's numbers yeah. to wade back into that because he can't be as aggressive. You know, if mm -hmm. suddenly he's getting blown by and every one of them is an ugly defensive lapse instead of half of them getting cleaned up by Rudy, that's no longer tenable. So, yeah, I, I would be a little bit afraid because it's not going to take much for his steals rate to drop from 2.2% to one5 and he's back down below a steal per game. Mm -hmm. I told you Mitch would be a great fit in Atlanta. All these defensive lapses for <laughs> this guy. The, yeah. the, the oh, yeah. Hawks I don't like need perimeter defense, do they? Yeah. The Hawks yeah. need this guy. Man, more than we knew. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a weird situation here, but I want to try to do it anyways because we've been doing it for, for every team. We don't know what this team's going to look like, but of the guys who are fantasy relevant, and I really think we have to go all the way down to Jordan Clarkson at 158 in nine category leagues because he was rostered in a lot of leagues. Raph's shaking his head. But in a deep league, he was rostered, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, who are you high on? Who are you low on, Raph? I mean, this is the hardest team to do this for, I think, because it's kind of yeah. like Gobert mm -hmm. and Mitchell, and then no one we're that psyched about. Yeah, like Gobert is the safest option. But like we said, we don't know what this franchise is going to look like next season. Right. So it's kind of hard to hit your wagon to him. Mitchell will probably be the closest if you're talking about who am I highest on. But other than that, I can't get too excited about this roster. Like Mike Conley mm -hmm. was top top 85 and nine cap this season. I think he's headed in the wrong direction in terms of the fantasy value, but because of the age factor. Mm -hmm. And like we said, he didn't look that great in the playoffs either. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, fading the jazz. <laughs> fading the jazz. Yeah, we're we're fading the jazz over here. I, I mean, I'm glad that you went to Raf first so he could explain <laughs> that because my I was literally nobody am I very high on. I do. We just talked about Mitchell. Rudy is so well established. You know what you're going to get. He's got the yeah. free throw percentage flaw. You're kind of going to draft him at his ADP. So safe, I guess, but not high on him. And beyond that, man, there's very little cause for optimism fantasy wise because all the guys you you can talk about have huge flaws for fantasy. Clarkson, Boyan. Mm hmm. You know, Mike Conley fading. And uh, if we want to get into guys who are fading, that would be a lot easier. Mike Conley would be probably at the top of my list. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Mike Conley, by the way, not sneaky old. He's just old at this point. Yeah. yeah. And he 30, looks at 34. I mean, yeah. Just a step slow. His minutes fell to 28.6 this season. You got to think they might fall even further in his age 35 season. Um, mm -hmm. some of his decision-making in that series even was like a little questionable. I'm like, that's what the man is known for, but yeah. he had that brutal mm -hmm. turnover at the end of last night's game that, that kind of sealed it. Yeah. It's just tough to see him getting back, uh, you know, anywhere above where he was this season for fantasy. All right, Ryan, did we talk about your rankings enough? We're at the end of my agenda oh, here. We, we sprinkled it in. Like I said, I'll, okay. I'll put them on the site and then people can yeah. dig put, in, put them on the site. Everyone dig in Raph. You have anything you want to mention that you're up to? Other than errands, uh, other than errands. I'm starting next week. I'm going to start putting together my rookie sophomore lookbacks at each team. Um, nice. So 
Chicago Herb Jones, Herb Jones cover photo, I assume. Yeah. He may get for one every, for the West. For every yeah. team. For, for every team. team to put Herb yeah. Jones in there. Son's rookie sophomore look back, Herb Jones. Yeah, I'll just write in Microsoft Paint. You wish Herb was on your team, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And if, exactly. if anyone is looking for something to do on the day off NBA hoops, you can watch the NFL draft first round recap show with our very own Matt Straub on yeah. NBC wow. Sports Edge. Just hit the <laughs> YouTube go. channel go. and yeah. watch him in action. Nice. Thanks, Ryan. We're listening on the Bet the Edge or Good Football Show podcast feeds. Exactly. It was fun. I'll we had, we had a fun time. for a prediction for tonight's game if anyone you, has any thoughts. You have one? No, Albert. For? Yeah, someone commented. Albert asked oh, for well, a prediction for tonight's oh, game. Oh, prediction. Yeah. Ooh, anyone? Who who wants to? I'm I'm passing I'm passing off to you guys first. I'm going with Memphis. Okay. I think it's just kind of weird that Minnesota had a players only meeting after game five and mm-hmm. someone made sure to leak it out to the media. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, that, that just seems kind of silly to me. And mm-hmm. I think Brandon Clark has played well enough in this series that he's got one more really good effort in him. I think he's going to be one of the difference makers. I think that Memphis wins a close one. They move on to host the Warriors in the second round. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with that prediction. Vegas has it real close. Grizzlies a one and a half point favorite. I think they'll cover that and walk away with the series. Um, I, I find it very hard to bet on Carl Anthony Towns and <laughs> just given his like wild yeah. vacillations and play and like, who knows, is he going to come out stern and serious and dominant or is he going to commit a couple of silly fouls? Like, I, so I, I wouldn't put my faith in cat. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. yeah. We need a game seven, though. We need a game seven. So for that reason, I, yeah. for that reason, I'm I'm taking the Timberwolves, but I don't have, I don't really feel that strongly about it. You know, I just hope the NBA doesn't mic him up again like they did before Game Three. Oh yeah, that was one of the most awkward moments I've ever <laughs> seen on television. And then, I of course, they backfired spectacularly. Yeah. You know, the whole thing, they got their split in Memphis and he's on, on the mic saying they got to come back to Minnesota now. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. Jock clapped back at him on, on yeah. social afterward when the Grizzlies <laughs> stormed back and won it. It was yes. great. Yeah. Man, they just get days off. This this series, I, th- I feel like this series has had, has this series had more days off than other series? <laughs> when did they play? Tuesday? They've had a couple, I don't know. a couple multiple days off. That series must be nice. Hawks, Hawks only got that once. <laughs> I'm not still bitter. I'm sorry. Was that the, okay. the reason they lost? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's not the reason they lost. No, it was the defensive lapses, Ryan. I see. All right. That's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We will be back Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week with more season in review material and more playoff talk. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. And thank you to you both, Ryan and Raph. Enjoy the errands, Raph. Ryan, enjoy the aimless Saturday and possibly some errands as well. I will. See you guys. Thanks. See Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.